Hello, this is Jordan. Just wanted to let you all know this was supposed to be our Philadelphia Union preview for the 2022 season, but our guest, uh, Todd, had some issues getting on the StreamYard platform we use, so we have rescheduled. But throughout the course of the episode, you're going to hear it introduced as the Union episode, you're going to hear us talk about trying to get Todd on, and then you're going to hear us talk about us rescheduling. But while we were trying to get him on, we decided to talk some U.S. men's national team upcoming qualifiers, what we think the table is going to shake out like after these three games, and if the U.S. will qualify. So I'll stop talking now and you can enjoy. Comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. Third, a foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is uh, the only member getting into our Hall of Fame so far, Logan Stone. I didn't know we were giving out plaques already. Um, that's exciting, though. Um, I took a couple steroids, so I feel like... We're almost I'm... 100 episodes in. we got to start a uh, Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. What are we at, like 95? This is 97. Six? Really? Oh, man. I'm 96 is being uh, uploaded as we speak, really. Oh, that's how you know. I was like, how do you know that off the top of your head? I always have a hard time keeping track of which one's which unless you put it in the, like, the StreamYard like, heading. I don't know which episode it is, so... It's always fun. Yeah, so we will be having a special guest join us shortly if uh, the computer issues go away. But um, we are having Todd from The Free Kick, a Philadelphia Union podcast, unofficial podcast. We don't, I don't want them to think that we're um, – I, I don't want to be, like, getting called by the Philadelphia Union or whatever. But um, – Yes, we're having Todd on. He's been on before. I've been on his show before. So it'll be great to have Todd join us shortly here. Uh, we're going to talk to the union. We're going to talk some of the signings that they just made, some of the trades they've made. So it, it worked out pretty well for us uh, to be doing the union right about now. Every year, Jordan. Uh, I know it's only the second year, but every time that we get ready to cover a team, it's uh... – it's like a free-for-all in the market. I mean, people go in and, and look for transfers, and they know that we're coming, and they're like, all right, stoppage – or sorry, stateside soccer show um, is probably definitely looking to, uh, for us to sign somebody. And when they do, 
um, you know, when they when they come a knocking and they want to preview our team, then that is a clear sign to go and, and sign somebody. So, uh, Jordan, how do you how are you feeling? I mean, uh, we'll get into it with Todd, but as a Philadelphia Union fan, um, how are we feeling about twenty twenty two now? Um, question marks. I think is. The way I, I think they kind of finished where I thought they would last year. I think when we had Todd on a preview last year, mm-hmm. we both kind of mentioned, you know, getting the top four spot, like every other team has. Um, getting the top four spot, you know, getting past around in the playoffs, they did that. But, uh, and, I, and I feel pretty good that the fact is, I, I think they could have beat NYCFC if they didn't have, you know, a 10-person COVID outbreak. And uh, I think they could have won MLS Cup with the way that that, that final went. But it's, it's all what-ifs at this point. And what we're going to be looking at now is, going forward, are they making the team better? Um, we'll get into that with Todd with, with the signings. And if we think that they have been better or, you know, if, if some of these strikers are better, they're going to lose their most prolific goal scorer and most union fans are happy. So it is a very weird situation on how we're going to be, um, talking about this team, I think, but, uh, no, I'm really excited to, to get in and, and talk all about it. Um, but first, I guess we can kind of talk. We have some qualifiers coming up here for the U.S. men's national team. Thursday is the first game. It's at like 7.30? 7 or 7.30? I'm going to say that it starts at 7 tomorrow. 7.30. It's pre-games at 7. 7.30 again. Or no, sorry. I was looking at the Honduras game. No, USA Salvador that is going to start at 7 o'clock on Thursday. 7 o'clock on Thursday. So probably 7.15 kickoff or something. I think somebody posted that somewhere. And uh, it is on ESPN Plus as well as ESPN2. So not just ESPN2. I guess that's good for people that have cut the cable, being able to access it on ESPN Plus. That's what they should do more of um, on these platforms. Yeah. you know, not just exclusive games on there, but hey, you know, I have both. I have YouTube TV and I have ESPN Plus. I'm trying to think which one's going to be easier to watch it on. It might be that I watch it on ESPN Plus instead of ESPN2, which, you know, giving people options is always good, I think. Um, you know, w- we've heard that Stefan is injured. So we're going with Turner, I guess. Um, do we know if Stefan's out the whole? Uh, from the window? sounds of it, yeah. From the sounds of it, he 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 never made it to Columbus, so he's still with. Yeah, that's Manchester what I said. Yeah, people said he hasn't come in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think with all the the quarantining and stuff that he'd have to do and testing and stuff, that I, I it's highly unlikely that he'd ever come back for this window. So they were talking about Ethan Horvath, which was interesting because I'm like, isn't that kind of the same deal? I mean, if he's with, uh, where is he now? He's with Nottingham. Is he in Nottingham? Yeah. Um, so, you know, playing there, I, I just don't know how that all works now, right. They're, with all the COVID situation. Plus, I don't know if I really want an outsider coming in after they, you know, kind of got this bubble going on that they probably have. Um, I don't know if Jordan, if you knew, but Panama, uh, had a bunch of outbreaks, I guess yeah. it's not been reported as to who it is. 
Um, and obviously that's usually a private matter, especially, uh, I, I think, I think football or uh, soccer does this a lot better than other sports where they, I mean, obviously you can tell who's missing from the team, but they do, you know, allow the guys to have their privacy and kind of dealing with this, um, as it is horrible. So it's, it's interesting, but with Panama missing uh, a good chunk of their team, it sounds like with Alfonso Davies out for Canada, um, I know there was a lot of people on Twitter that's saying that it's realistic that the United States goes in and, and grabs nine points, which is would be a crazy outcome for this window. Um, and I think if that happens, Jordan, I think if you're looking at a, at a uh, very sure thing as far as World Cup qualifying is concerned, just because that that is a drastic boost in points. And if we do collect nine, that means we also knock Canada down off their perch. Um, so it'll be interesting. And, and Panama's got a really tough uh, run of games that they have to play. Um, and that's kind of the team I think that we have to keep our eye on just because those first three spots are the spots you want. And if those teams kind of slow down and get pushed down towards the bottom, it's tremendously helpful to the United States. I think it would also help too if you get some quality – uh, run for some of the younger guys if we get to a later window that can you know get some run and see what how we can kind of put together a team that's going to compete with the world cup so looking forward to thursday and this whole window it'll be exciting yes yeah, so we have what thursday sunday yeah so the games it looks like it's going to be thursday and then sunday january 30th at 305 p.m eastern time and then after that, it looks like it's going to be Wednesday, February 2nd at 7.30 um, at Allianz yeah. Field. So. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I saw some complaints that Canada scheduled that game during the AFC Championship. <laughs> uh, we live in a world of like three screens now, though. You're going to be able to just uh, pull it up on your phone or tablet and then have the U.S. game on the TV. You know, you can make it work. It's not like the Bills are playing, so I don't know why it'd be upsetting for Canada or you. Oh no, US no, I don't people. think Canada was upset. I think. Well, was, I mean, uh... the U.S. fans too, but I mean, I don't know Kansas. I guess Kansas City is a big market, so um, that would be kind of a rough go for Kansas City if they have to try to figure out how to navigate both of those screens. So, it should be. Fun. Yeah, so we have Thursday at seven, ESPN two, and that game is against El Salvador. That should be a win. We we usually stomp El Salvador, so if that's mm. not a win, we're we're in some trouble. Then we have Canada. This this one could be a loss or a draw. Uh, I'd be fine with the draw here. It's away from home, whatever. Then Honduras, we should beat them here. We beat them on the road. Um, beat them here, and you're looking at seven points. Would be fine for me. Uh, where's the, I got to find the table for the qualifying. Canada, 16 points, us 15, Mexico and Panama are tied with 14. Costa Rica have nine. So they're kind of looking on the outside in. Um, I feel like that four spot is really the cutoff. I mean, that it'd be a drastic change in the standings if Costa Rica caught up. So if you get seven points, you're going to end up with 22 points. Uh, Canada could also get seven and be with 23 because the one point would be the draw that we would have with them. Mm -hmm. And then Mexico would be getting, if, if we went by those calculations, right. Um, Mexico could still get 
Mexico could conceivably get three, uh, nine points. That'd put them at 23. And then if Panama, let's see, who would Panama play then? Panama plays Mexico. So they would only be able to pick up six at most. Well, do they play Canada too? This doesn't show me everything. No, Costa Rica. So they play Thursday against Costa Rica. Um, and that's at Costa Rica. And then Jamaica. Okay, mm-hmm. so they could conceivably get six points, and that would put them at 20 points. And you would have a two- to three-point lead over them, which is we're at a one-point lead over them right now. So you you could gain, with just seven points, a bit of a lead on them. Um, and that's if they win both games. That's not against Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mexico wins all three of their games. Mm-hmm. We win two of ours and draw with Canada. Canada wins their other two and draws with us. That would give us still a very bunched table of 23, 23, 22, 22, or whatever points wise. So, or 22, then 20. Um, that give us still a very top four bunch that going into the last windows or the last window, we only got one more after this, right? Yeah. Uh, then we would be still, you know, a little nervous. Um, because then we have Mexico, then we have Panama, and then we have Costa Rica. Now, that's probably not going to play out the way that I just kind of laid it out there. So, if that's the case, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't go on like that, then we'll we'll see how it goes. But, um, but yeah, so uh, we'll we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, do what? What are your thoughts here? I, I think El Salvador again should be a win. I think Canada will be a draw. Really hope we at least get a point up there. I know people really want the nine point window. I, I think it's going to be very tough mm-hmm. to do that. But then I, I do think we can beat Honduras here. So uh, my aim is seven points here. Yeah, I think depending on the weather too. Um, I think with Canada, I think you'd be looking at. Uh, a U.S. game that you you probably just want the one point, like you said. I think that's realistic to think that you'll go into um, a, a brutally cold uh, Canada at this time of year um, and play in a, a very frigid climate, which you know a lot of these guys do play in Europe, so they're kind of used to some of that climate. But uh, some of the other guys are MLS guys that are playing indoors or in the South, where it's still you know relatively warm. So I think that you know grabbing a point against Canada, I think that that's the one that you kind of look at and go, okay. It, if we're going to drop some points, we got to drop some points there. Um, and yes, I know Alfonso Davies is gone. And it, it, I know a lot of Twitter will just be a buzz if we lose to a, a Canadian team without Alfonso Davies. But I think you also got to look at the fact that, that Canada are coming and Canada are a good team. Now, can they string together a couple of games here without Alfonso Davies? I think that's another thing you got to worry about because um, I know we have some Canadian people that listen to the show. You know, speaking on the Canada side, Canada's got to be careful uh, in this window because they, you really could see if if they did lose to the United States at home, um, they're also in a window where they're going to have to play uh, Honduras, um, and it's going to be, uh, I think it, I wonder, yeah, it's in Honduras, and then they turn around and play Canada or they play the United States, um, and then they play El Salvador um, again on the road, so it's. It's tough. Uh, it's tough sledding for for Canada. I think this time around, two away games, one against uh, a team that is um, 
obviously going to be chasing you down um, in, in the table. Um, 16 points, it, it seems like a good, you know, a little bit of uh, breathing room from them in Panama and Mexico, but I do think that, you know, they, they drop a couple points here and there. It, you could be looking at Mexico and the United States and Panama start to kind of to pass up some of these teams. So it, it, Canada's got to be careful because Canada doesn't, I guarantee they don't really want to go into that last window and try to figure out how they can collect points. But on the U.S. side, going back to what we were talking about, it was, I think the U.S. can feel good about where they're headed. I think the U.S. have probably the best uh, players in form right now. I think with a bunch of the guys that are going to be missing because of COVID reasons and COVID restrictions with other teams. Um, the United States has got a leg up, I think, for the first time in, in quite some time. I feel like we've had some injury issues. I feel like we've had some travel issues. We've had uh, we've had a couple of games, Jordan, you and I talked about this, and we haven't talked U.S. men's national team for a while because it's been a while since the last qualifying window. But um, the U.S. has played a lot of games this year without some of their top players. I mean, Christian Pulisic has been uh, in and out every once in a while. Gio Reyna is still not back, um, which is a big miss. Uh Pifak, who I think many people thought after the last window and kind of how he'd been playing young boys, I thought, you know, I think people thought he was going to come back over. He didn't. Josh Sargent has completely fallen off the table. Uh, Daryl DK now injured for six to eight weeks, so he's no longer going to be an option, it looks like. So it, you're starting to see some players dip, but you're also seeing some players come, in, come into the fold that I think are are good pieces. Brennan Aronson playing really good soccer. Um, Weston McKinney, like we talked about in the last episode, probably playing the best in Serie A uh, as we speak, which is crazy to think that the U.S. men's national team player is tearing up the the uh, Italian league like he is. And Miles um, Robinson, Walker Zimmerman should be ready to go and well-rested. And I don't think they're going to be much – there's going to be much rust because it's only been about a month and a half that they've kind of had, you know, probably some downtime, and then they had to ramp back up. But, I don't know, long-winded, but I, I feel good about the U.S. I feel good about the chances. I feel good about Dest and where he is. Um probably not too happy about the situation that he's in and coming in and trying to compete and win over some hearts so that he can at least find a transfer when he gets back maybe, but yeah, feeling good. Um, need to score goals. It tends to be our problem. Um, defensively, we're pretty sound. Matt Turner's in goal. Uh, I tweeted that earlier where Stefan's out and he won't be back probably this window, but it's really nice when you can have a stud in goal um, just to kind of replace another stud. Did you see that interaction tw uh, on Twitter, Jordan? I don't, I don't know if you saw where somebody tweeted at us and said that um, if Matt Turner was a good player, then he'd be in Europe, and that was the tweet. Yeah, I saw that. I just ignored it because <laughs> I love that argument, though, because he's not. Uh, so okay, when he signs with Arsenal, uh, you know, yeah. then he becomes a good player. Or, or he's a good player. Mm -hmm. Right, and Zach Steffen um, being a bench warmer. Uh, so star. Higuain's not a good player then, because he's he's not over Europe anymore. Correct, and Signe, not a good player. When Messi yeah. or Ronaldo come over, not good players anymore. Be um, kind of a wild time. Tejon Buchanan was not a good player, but once he was sold to Club Bruges, then it was now he is. Yeah, now he's a great player. That argument is so ridiculous. Uh, you don't just become a good player overnight. Uh, you have to, you know, put your work in. You're going to get noticed. You're, you're going to go to a bigger club. And that works for any of the leagues. You know, any league that is not MLS 2. You know, like, if you're playing in the in, – in a what the 
I was going to say like a Club Bruges. They don't get a lot of big play over in Europe, but they usually, you know, players will start there or they'll start in the Netherlands and then they'll get seen on some sort of stage and then they'll get uh, a move. And that's how it always works. And it's the same thing here. It doesn't mean you're not a good player. Yeah, I, I saw that. I just ignored it because I don't yeah. have time for those type of arguments. I was going to say you usually don't don't feed into it too much, um, but I, I just wanted to see if you had thoughts on it just because I think it, it was funny just the fact that he can't be a good player until he gets a contract with uh, you know overseas, which Brendan Aronson, you know, he wasn't good until um, he, he got attention from Salzburg. So it was like... Right. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Those arguments are uh, don't have time for them at this time. Um, all right, so we're just waiting to see if Todd can get in. He had some uh, he had some system issues, so we'll see how that goes. Um, if not, might just be a U.S. themed podcast tonight, and then right. uh, reschedule or something. But um, yeah, we are. I'm excited though. I'm excited for the international break. I'm excited to get back into the U.S. men's national team. See how it's going. You know, it, it's so tight at, at this point with the, um, you know. 16 points, 15 points, 14 points, 14 points for these for these top four. And really, you, you could guess it would be it'd be anybody. Um you know that that it'd be anybody can fit in those in those top spots. So yeah, I don't think we want to wait till next window. And that's that's something you and I had talked about for a while there. Um next window could be brutal if you're if you're having to try to fight for a fourth spot or a third spot um depending on which one of your you know if the fourth spot's not the end of the world obviously that's not where you want to be you want to be in the automatic qualifying uh in the third through first but again if you're if you're trying to fight for that third or fourth spot in, in between those two um the united states have, have a really tough road uh to try to get to a good spot um, they would go to Mexico, uh, and then they would play against Panama, and then they would play against Costa Rica. Um, so while those are teams that we could compete with and that we've shown that we can beat, I don't think we want to wait until March to try to figure out if we're going to qualify again or not, um, or at least get the playoff spot. It's There's a lot of weighing on a U.S. men's national team. Like I, I, I'm just starting to get really into it, so it's kind of new to me. Jordan, you're, I know, I know. Last time probably was absolutely just devastating uh, to kind of watch all of that disappear. Like, what are we gonna do in the World Cup? Like, yeah, the World Cup's fun to watch, but it's a lot more fun when the U.S. are playing. Yeah, that was something we haven't really talked about a lot, but it, it was one of those moments where we, you know, the idea of us not qualifying was never there right um it would uh you know when we were struggling it was well they're not gonna miss it they got all these games they're gonna get in no problem and 
I look at how the results have been this time. And the fact that we, I think, already have more points than we did at this point last time, and the mm-hmm. fact that people are still calling for Greg's head is just ridiculous. Now, of course, here's the thing. It, it's so tight at the top. None of these managers are getting fired right now. Mm-hmm. None of them are going to get fired because it literally everyone has a shot. Panama now might lose some ground because of their COVID stuff, which would hurt them. But I, I do think that that is uh, the the main the main issue, um, and I don't think that that'll be a problem this year at all. I do think that they will qualify. Um, you know, it was almost like this feeling in the air last time, where you're like, "There's no way they're not going to make it." and but yet everybody was kind of it felt like they were saying that to reassure themselves there was real problems with that team problems that don't exist with this team i don't think um and and that's and that's kind of what i view it as and you know it broke my heart i cried you know it's one of the only sports moments that have ever made me cry like Mm -hmm. okay my team's getting bounced out of the nfl playoffs or mlb playoffs Oh, well, there's always next year. This made me cry because it was, there was no next year. It was, we have to try again for 2022. And the state of the team was so bad. You're like, are we going to make it in 2022? (laughs) Like what we have a missing generation here. And none of these people, none of these kids were on the horizon as much as they are now. Like none of them were making the big moves. They are now we had Pulisic. I think at that point, Reyna was known of, but he was mm-hmm. still very young. He wasn't like knocking on the door. Um, and you're like, okay, so we have one young guy in Pulisic. Okay, we had Josh Sargent, I think, in the 2017 uh, Under-17 World Cup or something. like, Or Under-20 World Cup. It, it was somewhere around there, but you're like, okay, none of those are ready yet. Like, we, mm-hmm. don't, we don't know how that's going to go. And that was the main issue. And now I feel a lot more confident about it because we just had another player leave, you know, uh, Paredes go leaves DC United to go overseas now for $7 million is being reported. Like that's a pretty big deal for a, for us. I mean, it just continues that pipeline to keep on going. And, you know, there's rumors of Paxton leaving at some point, which we'll probably get into in this, um, preview at some point but you know it's like this constant feeder league right now Mm -hmm. and moving young americans overseas to challenge themselves they get over there they challenge themselves they get better and it's going to ultimately make us a a better program um and i do think we'll qualify i i I don't think that's a problem right now but you know (laughs) there's there's still this window and next window to prove me wrong, I guess. But uh, I do think I, it feels different this time. It doesn't feel the same way that 2018 felt. 2018, you know, Klinsman was not doing well. The team was not responding to him. They fired him. They bring in Bruce Arena, and everybody's like, yeah, he's they're going to make it. But some of those players didn't respond to Bruce. And uh, 
we didn't we had a missing generation that just wasn't able to bring us in so that that ultimately hurt us we we don't have a missing generation right now we we have all these young kids coming through maybe a missing generation more in like the more experienced leaders and, and such but hey they're, they're gonna prove themselves here then they're gonna become experienced and for 2026 we're gonna have i think a really good squad mixed with youth and people that have been around and have cut their teeth in CONCACAF and that is going to be the way forward for this program and while you know sometimes we may look at Greg and think that why didn't he do this why didn't he do that ultimately coaches are not here forever I I don't think Greg's going to be here maybe even for 2026 maybe he will be I don't know but I feel like a lot of times after a cycle or two, the manager leaves, and then we'll have even more young talent. And this is not a golden generation. This is the start of our program becoming a real soccer program in the world and challenging for that. Yeah, all your boys got named. <laughs> and we would talk about that in the, the Philly uh, preview that we'll get to. Um, I mean, that's all your guys, Jordan. Like, all your, your, your four – uh, union players all got called up to that to that youth team and, and will be playing some some national games I think eventually as time goes on um, yeah, you got guys like you said uh, Kevin Paredes was somebody that uh, I think Doyle at one point was like why don't they just call him in and he doesn't get a lot of talk because he was with DC United right was it DC United yeah um, and he you know doesn't get a lot of talk there's not a lot of hype around him and when he's able to um, move on. I mean, it, like you said, it's just that pipeline. It's like everybody's trying to pluck off American players now and young American players. So I guess we'll see um, what happens. So pretty interesting stuff. Uh, interesting, I, I think, in the in the way that the U.S. men's national team is going. And like you said, in 2026, I think that is the year that you and I deemed the – that's the year if we're going to compete for that, you know, final four or whatever it might be. Um, that'd be kind of the year that it'd have to be done on the home turf, playing in front of the U.S. fans and hopefully uh, with the with the sprinkling of veteran players and then, you know, the Aronson brothers and everybody else that's going to be coming along. Um, I think there's a lot of excitement coming. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, so while we wait here, just wanted to go over – uh, I mentioned it there. The the parade is uh, there. He's he's going to Wolfsburg. We didn't mention the team. <laughs> I don't think uh, seven million dollars, which is crazy. He's only got like not many minutes in MLS, so that that's pretty that's a pretty big deal uh, to be going through there. Um, eighteen years old, forty one appearances. There you go, twenty four last season. So really, just breaking in last year. And uh, gonna gonna be going on. Uh, he was also on the radar of City and Salzburg, but yeah, going to Wolfsburg. We'll see how that goes. But, you know, Wolfsburg hasn't had a great history, I guess you'd say, um, with U.S. talent. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Any other big news here? Um, uh, 
I will say one thing, it, and, and just kind of anybody that's listening to this, it, it it has been tough to kind of cover all these transfers. And yeah. this, but the thing about it is, Jordan, like if you really look at it, and I think because this offseason shorter than any other offseason that they've had, um, I don't think – and I know the Extra Time guys covered it before, um, and I think they did it on the last episode that they did, but uh, I think it's a really good point. The fact that the United States and MLS has now become a huge player in the world transfer market. Like that, that, that has never been a thing that the U.S. men's national team has ever had, really. Uh, I mean, we were shocked when guys were getting, you know, sold out to like Fulham. Like we thought that was an awesome thing. Um, we had players like Anthony Robinson currently that played for Fulham. We had Josh Sargent playing in Germany in Bundesliga at the point. Um, Christian Pulisic was like, uh, the most amazing story in, in all of uh, U.S. history, I think, as far as uh, players are concerned, to be able to go to Chelsea um, after Dortmund and, and play with the top team in Europe uh, and also win a Champions League like that. And then this summer and then into this winter, it's just been like madness with a bunch of these players. Um, and, and they can continue to do it. I mean, it, it continued to be a huge player in the world market. Um, you've got DK at, at West Brom now. You got Pepe at Augsburg. Uh, these guys are just like flying off the shelves. Um, and guys that, I mean, honestly, Jordan, guys that uh, not many people think or thought um, would have been this good and would have gotten this much attention, but they obviously some, see something in a lot of these players. Um, Busio and Tessman at, at Venezia. I mean, those are guys that, you know, those they still needed some more experience. But now, I mean, they're getting, they're getting game time. Like Tessman was starting the other day. Um, and has been starting as he's kind of find he's found his form over there with Venezia and Syria, uh, competing against teams like Juventus and Roma and uh, you know Napoli and Inter, and it's just it's amazing that how much of the have the U.S. and and the MLS uh, guys have become such a world player in the market. I was going to say, Paul Areola, we didn't talk about uh, Areola getting traded either. Yeah, linked to linked to Mexico. I know he he wanted to move to something else. Club America was after him. I mean, he, they were putting in bids that were getting rejected. And now you see why. I mean, that was a lot of money that Dallas had sent. It ended up being like $2 million or something crazy um, with clauses and different things that could happen, bonuses that could be up, worth of, up north of the, the $2 million mark. And that's, that's a ton of money. Um, the fact that he was getting attention from Club America and some European teams, he had been on that loan spell to Swansea before he got hurt. I mean, that I it's cool that MLS is, is becoming a, a really good league and, and has been really competitive. But I know that was that he wanted to move elsewhere. And the fact that he's going to go to Dallas, um, and I know Dallas is putting together uh, quite a team now, but it's still very unproven. Um, I can't imagine being Paul and just kind of. I mean, it's basically like circling the wagon. We're just not teams that just don't have any kind of success in MLS anymore. I mean, he goes from – I mean, D.C. United played really well this year, but, like, he had struggled. He only got to play this year with D.C. United after Aaron Lasada took over. Now he's going straight to Dallas where, um, you know, and he's not youth, so it's not like they can flip him for a penny like they usually do. So 
I don't know what they'll do with him. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how he gels with that team too. Yeah, for two million allocate, uh, like uh, not allocation. Well, yeah, I guess uh, Jam, uh, Gam, right? Wasn't it Gam? Yeah, not Tam. Um, one of the Ams uh, is uh, for two million, which is which is a pretty big, pretty big number. Uh, but it is interesting that they would probably, you know, I think Tenorio had, had tweeted something out about like how they might be more teams might be more willing to, to take more money of fake money like Gam and Tam mm-hmm. than less money of real money, which is, you know, like a transfer fee because of the way that they get the money back. Like they don't get the full transfer fee. Some of it goes to the league uh, while the Tam and Gam, they're able to spread it out however they need to, to, you know, kind of make the, make the salary work for them. Right. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. All that money, man, all that flipping money. That's what they did. Go out and guy, get a winger. Veteran wiener. Yeah, yeah, that that'll be interesting to see how it plays out for them. Um, Orlando did get uh, what Facunda Torres. Mm-hmm. That um, was a hefty fee. <laughs> that's official. I'm excited about it, man. Wills came in there like I'm gonna spend some money. Uh, I mean, they're being linked to God and everybody. Um, they, they acquired an international spot today too. Or, yeah, I saw uh, that from Montreal. Montreal. And a lot of people think it's got in relation to some of the connections that are being made to a few of the strikers over in, I think it's in, I want to say Denmark or Belgium. I mean, it seems like we're all going over there and plucking people out of the middle of, of Europe for our uh, strikers. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, no, the Facundo Torres one I'm really excited about because I played with him in World or uh, in FIFA, and I'm excited. He's 21 years old, um, great pace. He's a little guy, five um, ten, but. I'm ready to see him scoot across the field and kind of create some chances there. We'll spend the money. It's huge. It's big. These All these teams are spending money. Never thought I'd see that. Jordan, do you think that the you, – do you think that the rules are going to change eventually? I, I just feel like – like I, I feel as these bigger owners do start to come in, I just feel like there's going to become a point where the MLS, in order to compete with some of these other big leagues – I do think they're going to have to kind of change some of these stances, whether it's four DPs or five DPs or whatever it might be to kind of give teams chances to go out and just spend and see what they can put together with a bunch of money. And I know it's, it's a dangerous thing because you know, you, you like the balance in MLS, but it just feels like it's headed that direction. Well, we have like seven years left of the CBA. They just passed that CBA last year. I don't see any big changes until 2028. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good time for the changes because we'll be done the 2026 World Cup. Soccer will probably be at a height of popularity in America with people maybe tuning into MLS as well. And, you know, the owners will have to put up or shut up, you know. I, I think one of the things holding back some of these leagues is some of these new owners want to spend. They want They want to go out there and win. It's the old NFL owners or the – original MLS owners that are the ones more reluctant to because they see it as an investment. They don't want to put too much in and lose 
money. They've already lost a bunch of money from 96 to now. So I think some of the older owners or like the Robert Crafts are, are probably sitting there like, let's just keep holding on as it is. We'll steadily increase and we'll steadily increase our pockets. And, <laughs> you know, and then uh, at some point though, they're, they're going to have to do it. They can't, they can't just rely on, um, and, and you can still allow spending, but still keep a salary cap and stuff that makes it so it is competitive here. Mm. There's ways to do it. Um, I mean, look, you look at the NFL who gives out like Pat Mahomes, uh, like 10 year, 300, 400, what is it? $500 million yeah. contract or like insane amount of money that uh, is in a salary cap league. And I think you can still do the same thing here and entice some of those big name stars and be able to to do it. I, I think at one point, maybe they'll just keep expanding young DPs or regular DP amounts, you know, instead of having three plus the younger ones, you're able to have five. Um, you know, I think it's going to be incremental, but I, I do think that by 2028 when they – bring in the new CBA. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a really good time with it for 2026. And, you know, seeing the fallout of what does the 2026 world cup do for MLS? It's going to do a lot for soccer here. How much is it going to affect major league soccer here? Uh, Cause a lot of our best players in 2026 are going to be playing at the likes of Chelsea, Barca, Bayern, anywhere overseas. So how does MLS flip that? How does do, is it just going to draw people to MLS because it's the local one here? Not necessarily. Sometimes that's not how we have a friend who who does not view it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all about kind of how they're going to market it. I think at twenty, uh, I, I think what the teams will have to do as well is not just wait for the new CBA. Twenty twenty six, they have to bring a big star here. David Beckham level. Now, Insigne was big, but I think it's going to be bigger than Insigne. It's got to be a huge star. Maybe somebody that we're not even like super familiar with because that's four years from now. Mm -hmm. A younger player that's going to become big. But bringing them over here, one of the teams are going to have to do it that says, hey, after you're done watching the World Cup, that guy that just won Golden Boot is here. He's playing here now. And I think that would be... I think that'd be the best. Um, so, and then and then from there, you'll be able to go in the CBA of 2028 and say, okay, look, we brought in that huge star. More eyes are on us. How about we expand some more DP spots? How about we do more of this? And the growth of the game should still continue increasing from there. But that's going to make, you know, 2026 is going to make a huge impression on kids. It's going to make a huge impression on the kids that, have not been converted yet. You know, we got a lot of people our age and younger that are really big into soccer, mm-hmm. growing number two, number three, whatever sport for those age brackets. It's it's going to grow even more when, you know, John Smith can take his kid to see the game or go to, even if he can't afford to go into the game, go into a local pub outside the stadium while the game's going on and maybe go in to see some of those players you know, coming off the bus or whatever, you know, Matt and I in 2014 went to BWI and saw the Spanish national team 
land in BWI and we got signatures from them. We It was actually a pretty good amount of people there too. But imagine if soccer was even more well-known in 20, I mean, they were, they were the defending world cup champions and mm-hmm. it was not crowded. Okay. I was able to get at least close enough to be able to ask them to sign my book and, you know, get a picture of Torres and all that kind of stuff. So it is still niche, but mm-hmm. 2026, when anybody can take like a five-year-old and a five-year-old gets, you know, pull a six signature just from him coming off the bus or coming off the plane or, you know, whatever. And then that leaves an impression on him that he becomes a soccer fan. And, and, and that is where we, you know, soccer has not really been one of those sports that we pass down generation to generation so far. Luckily my dad did, but not, not yeah. everybody has, you know, a lot of the older generation is more of the ones that say it's a communist sport. It's not, you know, whatever. <laughs> but that's going to fade away and yeah. 2026 is going to hopefully make even the most casual people feel it while they're here you know while mm-hmm. the gate we have not had that since 94 i was three year old i do not remember the 94 world cup being here so i think it'll make a huge impression especially with like streaming and stuff like that now like that was just on broadcast tv back then or whatever right like yeah, you could avoid it. I don't know if you'll be able to avoid it when people are sharing stuff on Twitter, sharing stuff on Facebook, um, streaming the, streaming getting the game. Yeah. So, yeah, more more stuff going on in cities. You know, the Premier League does that thing every so often where they do the They're Good touring. Morning PL thing mm-hmm. in a city, and that gets a lot of buzz. Imagine Fox, who has the rights, says, "Hey, let's do something like that for the World Cup." While we host it here, like it's that kind of stuff that can really get people out. I remember in 2010 trying to go to see, I think it was 2010 or 2014, going to trying to go to a pub to watch the game locally, uh, and it was crowded. Imagine when it's here, you know, like that. That's the thing. It's it's going to be even bigger, and it's going to make the game grow, and it's going to make this league grow at some point. I don't know how fast that growth will be after 2026. It all depends on how the league is going to market it after that. Are they going to bring in a big name or are they just going to say, Hey, all those people that are on the field, they were at one point here, you know, cause I'm not mm-hmm. sure that really entices the casuals. Um, So we're we're gonna we're gonna end it here. Todd can't get on. He has uh, he he's very uh, web issues going on here. Uh, I don't want to stress him out here on his birthday. So we're just gonna reschedule. But happy birthday, Todd! We're gonna get you back on here. Um, but uh, we'll do our union preview another night. Now we do have a. Uh, Minnesota preview. So this worked out that has not been released yet. <laughs> be released. So we still have a preview coming out and that's with the final third guys, Jack and AJ. So they'll be, uh, they'll be on the show there. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we're probably not going to go live when we do Todd, just because of the web issues. We're going to try to get all that stuff sorted out with him. Uh, even if we have to do it on a different platform than what we usually do it on, but we'll find some way to get the union preview soon. Uh, but if anybody watched or listened to this, this is going to just be uploaded now as like a, a U.S. men's national team qualifying 
check in MLS update yeah. uh, type an episode. But thanks everybody watching. If you want to follow us, you can reach us on Twitter at Stateside Show. Why do I have to look at this? At Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email us Stateside Show at gmail.com. And we will catch you all next time. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.